From the physics behind Thor's hammer to the beautiful black hole renderings of Interstellar, science has a lot to offer the film industry, and vice versa. But just what does it take to pull off a successful collaboration? I'm Meg Rosenberg, and on today's podcast, we're exploring the world of science consulting, how it does and sometimes doesn't fit into TV shows and Hollywood blockbusters, and what it's possible to achieve when science and entertainment are aligned. I don't think you can steer Hollywood creatives towards something. You can just give them a better idea that's logic and reasoned coming out of science, you know. Rick Lovard is the program director of the Science and Entertainment Exchange, a program of the National Academy of Sciences. Launched in 2008, the organization facilitates collaborations between scientists and Hollywood writers and executives. We're 844-NEED-SCI, which is our actual phone number for any creative person in Hollywood who has a question about science while they're making a feature film, TV show, or video game. The exchange isn't just in the business of fact-checking, says Lovard, although they can help with that as well. The real goal, though, is to go deeper into the production process and catalyze conversation between two very different but equally creative groups of people. I think the most exciting interactions that we do are the ones that, you know, an interaction with a scientist changes the direction of an idea or creates a wholly new idea in Hollywood. Over the past six years, the exchange has seen a steady increase in the number of consultations and repeat consultations they've arranged, as well as rising interest in their public programs. And we do somewhere between 20 and 25 events a year, and those events are taking great science communicators and putting them in front of entertainment industry professionals. And that's our opportunity to not only put forth some science that we really believe in and and that we think is exciting, but also put forward great scientists who are fantastic communicators to change potentially the perception of an industry professional away from the sort of stereotype of what it means to be a scientist. By throwing the two worlds together, everyone can geek out and get inspired by science, all while breaking down stereotypes of the people who do it. Everyone wins. The fruits of these interactions are a little bit easier to see in the fast-paced world of television than in feature films, says Lovard, but he sees the effects there as well. A lot of people who are writing in Hollywood now were in school at a time when people were just getting cell phones, and now we have these you know, incredible supercomputers in our pockets. And a lot of people, I think, who have experienced that transition in their lives feel like we're living in the future. And therefore, as you sort of build a world that's trying to remain relevant in your storytelling, the idea of consulting with a scientist who might be able to give you some input, I think feels a lot more necessary or a lot more helpful right now than it did 10 years ago. One of those scientists is Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson, a postdoctoral scholar in experimental particle physics at the University of California, Los Angeles. As a graduate student, Hickerson replied to an email looking for someone to help get the science right in an unnamed film that turned out to be the 2011 Marvel blockbuster Thor. I just immediately replied like, oh, I love this stuff. I totally want to help. And so it turned out I was the only one to respond. (laughs) <laughs> now everyone's like, wow, you know, if I had known Marvel was going to do that, I would have done that. But, you know, it turns out that um, I didn't know it was Marvel. So that could be advice for other people who want to work on this is don't be too snobby about the size of the project because it might be a lot bigger than you than you think. 
Early on in the production process for Thor, the Science and Entertainment Exchange arranged a meeting between the director, Kenneth Branagh, Marvel executives, and three scientists, including Caltech physicist Sean Carroll. You see, the character Thor, Norse god of thunder, somehow had to fit into the same fictional world occupied by the brilliant but definitely human engineer Tony Stark. So they wanted to come up with a connection to planet Earth in Thor's past, some way that he could have visited thousands of years ago. In that conversation, they were basically asking, well, what could we use? How could he get to Earth? You know, in, in Norse mythology, there's this thing called the Bifrost Bridge. And what could we use that would have some of those properties but be grounded in something. And Sean Carroll, the theoretical physicist, said, well, how about a wormhole? And the creative team were like, well, wormholes are so 90s. Isn't there something else we can use? And Sean Carroll said, well, how about an Einstein-Rosen bridge? And they said, well, you know, what's that? That sounds interesting. And he said, well, it's a wormhole. And so they used basically this concept. A little bit of physics goes a long way when it comes to grounding a backstory, but you have to be consistent. For Thor, that meant changing the character of Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, from a nurse to a theoretical physicist who detects these wormholes that keep opening up in the desert of New Mexico. Hickerson came on board during the filming phase to think through the implications of that choice in terms of the instruments she'd be working with in her lab. I came in and took the, what they had suggested, certain pieces like that Natalie Portman's character, Jane Foster, was going to be a particle astrophysicist. And from just a little bit of that information that I was given, I created a backstory for why she was detecting stuff out in the desert and how she was doing it. And then from there, we built uh, sets that matched what an actual particle physicist's lab might look like. So how do you plausibly connect modern astrophysics and the Marvel Universe? We know from modern physics we don't quite know how to go about making these wormholes. They require some sort of exotic matter. And a place for exotic matter to exist is somewhere um, at higher energies than we can probe with the experiments we have nowadays. And in particular, one of the things we know exists that we don't understand and we can't see it on Earth is dark matter. So I decided that this exotic matter requires high energy physics as the technology behind it. And so from there I said, well, it's going to be giving off streams of dark matter. And so the first people to find it are going to be physicists like me <laughs> or, like, uh, or Jade Foster who are already looking for dark matter for astrophysical reasons. And then they find these anomalous sources that are coming from strange places like New Mexico. Um, so Thor's hammer could give off uh, dark matter and this is kind of consistent with what Neil deGrasse Tyson and other scientists said, which is that the reason the hammer gets heavier and lighter is because it can control its coupling to gravity. And uh, higher energy physics is expected to merge with the laws of gravity if you have a more advanced material involved. So I said, well, if you're a scientist and you suddenly are looking for dark matter, you see it all coming from New Mexico, you're going to rush over to New Mexico. And that's why Jane Foster ends up in the New Mexico desert just when Thor happens to arrive. Lovard describes the Thor collaboration as... One of the most exciting things that we've done in the last six years. And in part, that's because Jane Foster's new backstory, this great female scientist character, suddenly created an opportunity to engage with audiences, especially kids. You talk about the theoretical physics of Thor, and um, in many ways, the physics are all wonky. But to be able to have a strong female character in a summer popcorn movie talking about Einstein-Rosen bridges can really do a lot to get kids interested in science. 
And once that character exists, you can leverage that opportunity to create all sorts of teachable moments. Coinciding with the release of the film, Disney, in collaboration with the Science and Entertainment Exchange and other partners, launched The Ultimate Mentor Adventure, a contest aimed at empowering high school-age girls to explore careers in science and technology. Movies, Lovard points out, have a huge capacity for firing the imagination and inspiring young minds. You know, you look to Spock and the number of people who work at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab now who talk about Spock or the Cylons or Starbuck as the character that really got them interested in, you know, I want to do that. I want to go to space, you know. All of which is not to say that it's Hollywood's job to teach people science, which is an important distinction to make. You kind of have to come at it from the point of view that in a narrative Hollywood film, when you're talking about storytellers, that they're going to have to put their story first. And I think that the big wins are when you get holistically a character or a story out into the mainstream that just gets people excited about being a geneticist or being a physicist or being an astronaut. Among recent science fiction movies, last year's Interstellar is an extreme example of how this creative synergy can work. Caltech physicist Kip Thorne, who acted not only as a science consultant on the film, but also as an executive producer, got a shout-out at the Oscars when Interstellar won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, and those amazing black hole simulations have in turn contributed to multiple scientific papers. That interaction with Kip Thorne and the beautiful visualization of a black hole getting both people publicly, you know, in the public, outside of science, and scientists and entertainment professionals all excited about the concepts around a black hole and some of the science around them, that absolutely has a ton of value when you just think about what it can do to stir people's creative pots and get people excited about the possibilities of where science could take you. When the film was released last December, it made a big splash at the box office, and the physics of black holes and general relativity became, for a while, a household topic. Having entered into several lively debates over the science of Interstellar, Hickerson sees value in having these conversations so publicly. Interstellar showed that uh, a movie can be extra entertaining specifically because it was very thought-provoking. That few percent who know what they're talking about because then they can lead this discussion in front of everybody. I was having some debate with some other scientists about it and just... You know, all of our friends are just like totally enthralled by the conversation because it, it showed that it, this movie had pushed the boundary so far into theoretical physics that everyone was like actually getting to experience this this argument that uh, physicists normally have behind closed doors or at a conference or something like that. Looking to the future, Hickerson believes that movies like Interstellar lead by example, challenging the film industry to stay true to the science as much as possible. Science fiction writers and storytellers, if they're going to be telling a story that is not out in front fantasy, if it's something that can happen with us in the future, humans in the future, I think it seriously raises the bar. Another advantage? It's making everyone in Hollywood treat scientists like rock stars now, and I have absolutely zero complaints with that <laughs> part of it. That's completely okay with me. <laughs> As Rick Lovard can attest from his experience at the exchange, it's not always easy to facilitate these collaborations, but when it works, it's undoubtedly rewarding. When it's organic and when it feels like a part of the story, I think it's really kind of a, a wonderful thing to see happening.
it may take you a hundred interactions with Hollywood or more to have that one perfect situation, but we think it's it's certainly worth the time to get to that place. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and you can find more information on the Science and Entertainment Exchange, Thor's Hammer, and Black Holes on our website, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.